You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to the Creators Making Money podcast. Today I have with me the lovely, brilliant, and wildly accomplished Laura Bartlett, who is the award-winning founding editor of House of Coco Luxury Travel Magazine. It has sold all over the world, as well as in stores like Harrods and Selfridges. Laura built this business from the ground up with zero investment, which I'm so excited to dive into today with her. She is a larger-than-life example of failure breeding strength after going through a bankruptcy, a failed company, and facing rejection in front of millions of people on BBC's Dragon's Den. Laura is a girl boss with a passion for inspiring people to live their best lives. Laura, welcome, and thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I am so pumped. I have like a million and one questions for you. <laughs> and I kind of just want to dive in and be like, so tell us what happened on Dragon's Den <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I was on there six years ago. And I was, at the time, I owned a Leeds-based magazine. So I'm from Leeds in the north of England. Um, and at the time, I had a fashion magazine, which was distributed all across the city. And I decided to go on Dragon's Den to ask for investment to launch it internationally. Um, and basically got annihilated by one of the dragons who told me to quit and said it would never work. Um, so I cried on TV in the lift that doesn't move. And um, then I had a six month period between filming and airing. So it was kind of like sink or swim. Um, I went on to prove them wrong. I launched the magazine all over the world. Um, it sold out internationally. I did a massive international launch um, at Hippodrome Casino in Leicester Square in London. It was crazy. And later on that year, the company um, failed because I was approached to be a partner of the, of the Clothes Show, which at the time was one of the biggest events in fashion in England. So my magazine, Elle and Cosmopolitan, were the media partner and worst case scenario, I should have made like 50,000 pounds. Best case scenario, half a million quid. So I put all my eggs in one basket, thought I was going to make loads of money, made five pounds, company went into liquidation and I got made bankrupt. So then six years ago, I started House of Coco, which was all about luxury travel. And the idea was that I would grow a team of people. We would live our best lives traveling the world, creating content to inspire our readers to go and live their best lives too. And uh, it seems to be working. Uh, yeah, casual. <laughs> you have a team of like 30 to 50 people, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, we're at like 33 now. That's insane. 
Uh, I'm curious. I have like a, so many questions about all of those moments of your story that I want to extrapolate <laughs> on. And the first one I have is like, really, it's about your vision and your creative process. Because I know that you got into publishing, you got into publishing without really a background in publishing, right? Mm -hmm. And made this bold decision to start a print magazine when everyone was like, we're all going digital, what are you doing? And yeah. so I'm curious, particularly through like the bankruptcy piece and having to sort of re-envision what your magazine is, how much the vision changed from like your initial magazine to what you now have? Oh, completely. So initially the magazine was all about independent fashion designers. It was all about creating a platform to give the underdog of the fashion industry a voice. And that's what it was about initially. That company obviously went under. And then the second company, House of Coco, was completely different. Nothing to do with fashion. I no longer believed in the industry. I didn't follow trends. Um, and I wanted to travel the world. So I started a travel magazine um, and with no expectations of what it was going to be, how it was going to work but I sat in a coffee shop uh, with Penny who still works with me now she's one of my best friends um, she had to buy my coffee because I didn't have any money but I sat out at the vision and I said this magazine is going to see us traveling the world and we're going to have people creating content everywhere and it's going to be living our best lives it's going to be amazing um, and she believed in my vision and she's been all over the world ever since because of it um, so yeah completely changed to what it was initially um, and I just believed in the vision. Yeah. Do you remember when, like the moment when it dropped in, when you were like, this is going to be a travel magazine. This is going to be about traveling the world. And this is what, this is the vision. This is where my heart is now. Like F fashion. <laughs> yes. Screw you. Do, you. do you like remember when that all showed up for you? No, I don't. But I just remember, like I say, sitting in this coffee shop and it just kind of came to me that that's what I was going to do. Um, I just wanted to start traveling more, but I didn't even know anything about the travel industry in terms of working with PRs and things like that. Before that, I'd get excited because I'd maybe get a free lipstick from Tom Ford or a free dress from a designer or whatever. I didn't know that you could partner with hotels and create content all over the world. So um, I think when I got an invitation, um, naively actually to travel to Spain um, I was like oh my god like they're paying for me to go to Spain to create content this is amazing and just sort of said yes and when I got there it actually turned out it was a six-day boot camp with eight hours of exercise per day and limited food so not really something that would be for me but <laughs> the, the, the realization that actually you can travel the world creating content like it, it finally uh, sunk in I did lose nine pounds in a week though so every cloud <laughs> that is insane. That is, like that is the funniest plot twist ever. I thought I was just going to go on this vacation and instead they were planning on like making me work really hard for every meal they fed me. I didn't like it. Literally these, um, these ex army veterans walked out with all the oh like gear on and I was like, what have I signed up for? I actually cried on day three and got heat rash. Oh no. I'm happy to say that the, the things have been have looked up ever since then and I've um stopped being the yes girl saying yes to everything and instead, you know, leaning on the right people in the team to cover the right trips to get the most out of it. Because obviously a trip to Spain to do a boot camp is someone's idea of heaven, just not mine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Some someone of the person. thirty-three people so one of the thirty-three people on your team would give that an, an enthusiastic <laughs> yes and mean 100%. it. Yeah. yeah. Are there, what was the first place you traveled to? 
Um, so that was the first place, Spain. Um, and then after that, I think it was Sri Lanka. Um, I went to Sri Lanka, which was crazy with a with a hotel group called Cinnamon Hotels. So we went through um, two, like three different hotels of theirs on the island. Um, I didn't love it. It was really bad weather and humid, um, but a really cool experience. Are there any places you still get excited about traveling to? Oh my God, Barbados, Los Angeles, New York. They're probably like my top three. I guess I have to go to Barbados then. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, I've been like three times now. Okay, message received. Um, I'm curious, so doing a print travel magazine when the world said print was dead, mm -hmm. what challenges did you have to overcome there? You know, whether it was mindset stuff or like actual obstacles that you kind of hit up against as you were moving, moving towards the success you have now, like what came up around that? Well, you know, when they say, if you see the bandwagon, <laughs> I'm just crazy. When they say, um, if you see the bandwagon, it's too late. And at the time the bandwagon was everyone jumping on the digital hype. And it meant that all these print magazines were no longer in print and they were digital. So it meant that we stood out even more, you know, brands want to see that their, 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 you know, their hotel, their product in glossy pages of magazines, there was still an audience for it. There still is an audience for it. And our um, demographic that we target is of the sort of later millennial that remembers life when you flip through the pages of a magazine and you really connect. And also I really believe that reading magazines encourages me time. You know, you sit down, you get a cup of tea or a glass of wine and you flip through the magazine and you really indulge in, in me time. And when there's just so much noise online right now and just so much going on in the world, everybody needs a bit more me time and that can be given to you through the pages of a magazine. I love that. And I, it's funny because I never really thought about it that way, but it's so true. It's like, it's, it gives you that sort of breath where you're not staring at a device or looking at a phone or, mm -hmm. right. That makes so much sense. You're a genius. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what were the challenges that you faced? You know, I know that there was a whole bankruptcy moment and I'm mm -hmm. curious to dive into that more for sure. But what were the challenges with raising capital in terms of, you know, Walk me through how you executed this, if you don't mind, from a financial perspective. Yeah, of course. So, um, obviously, in order to produce the magazine, you need to be able to pay the printer, the designer, you need to find a distributor. And so what I did is I just worked out the costs, what were needed, and the amount that I wanted to print and how much that would all cost. And then I just created advertising packages and I started speaking to brands who um, bought into my vision. So advertisers came on board from issue one, which meant that they covered the cost for issue one. And then it just kind of built from there. I think people just assume that when you start businesses, you need like loads and loads of capital. But I think if you're savvy about it, um, there are ways you can do it without that. So like I've seen magazines get 2 million pounds of investment and go under, you know, we've never had a single penny and we're doing all right. So it's just the way you, uh, the way you think about it and just be a bit savvy. Yeah. What do you think, how do you think you communicated your vision to those brands that made them, that made you such an obvious yes to them? Uh, I think people buy from people. So I really, really believed in it from day one. Um, like I really truly saw the vision. So just sort of speaking to people about it, letting them know they could be early adopters and they could be a part of this from the beginning and really help it grow. Um, you know, people will take a punt sometimes. And also you've got to get through the no's to get to the yeses. Like the amount of people I had to speak to was a lot more than it would be today, for example. 
because people know me now, but you know, back then you have to hustle. Just got to hustle, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how many people did you speak to versus how many yeses you got? Oh my God. I would say, yeah. you know, uh, I would say maybe one in a hundred would say, yeah, you know, hundreds of people, hundreds. But when I started House of Coco, the benefit was I still had, uh, you know, two two years of contacts that I'd built up with my previous magazine. So it wasn't completely starting from scratch. And people say, you're not from starting from scratch, you're starting from experience. Um, and that was definitely true for me. So I already had a few contacts that had seen what I'd done previously. So it wasn't like a fully new, I wasn't like some random person just publishing a magazine. I'd already had some credentials and had some success. Um, so it made it a bit easier. Yeah. I love that. You're, I think that that's just an, that's just an important message I want to underline because what you're saying is I wasn't starting from scratch. I was starting with experience. I was starting with like all of this value, all of this knowledge. So you were sort of in this moment where the previous vision or version of what your, your magazine was going to be or would be was completely done, but you had so much more just from going through that process that allowed you to create success in this chapter. Yeah, so that's really great. important for anyone who's like, going through a moment right now where they feel like everything is garbage and they're like they don't know how they're going to start over or they're just not feeling their current business or what they're doing um or something with a creative project just just feeling off or wrong you know there is value in the reset button yeah you know sometimes people kind of don't know when to stop if something's not working you know there's there's believing in yourself and then there's being stupid you know if, if it's not working pull the plug and move on to the next thing if you genuinely think it will work just keep going it might take longer than you think it's up to you to work that out though sometimes you can pull the plug right before you're about to hit the big time so <laughs> <Tough one. laughs> that's what they say they're like don't quit before the miracle and i'm like I'm still, I, when, when is it coming? It's been guys? 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the whole thing with 2020 is, is us just being like, time is just whatever. The timelines are the timelines, guys. Like, just yeah. who knows? Who knows? Anything um, can happen right now. Anything can happen right now. Do you remember the moment with House of Coco when you knew or were like, oh, this is going to be successful? Like, this is working. Um, I can't remember like a specific moment, but it was kind of a like maybe, you know, a year, a year in when I had, um, maybe like 15 people, uh, in the team and they were out all over the world every single week. And I'd have someone in Hong Kong and someone in, you know, Germany and someone in Spain and multiple people all over the world at the same time, creating content for the magazine. And, you know, collectively we're called hashtag team Coco. So everyone was team Coco in it all over social media. And like, I just started getting endless messages. I mean, now I probably get a uh, hundred messages a week. Um, but back then I was getting, you know, people going, how can I join team Coco? How can I join? And we'd like built the momentum. And, and I think that's when I was like, oh my God, we are really onto something here. It's working. <laughs> so amazing. So bankruptcy, awkward segue to talk about a less attractive <laughs> topic, guys. So seamless. So seamless. I'm sure I know. Um, <laughs> what was that like? I'm curious to hear more about like, okay, it definitely wasn't a pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, if you're willing to go there, I'm curious yeah, cool. to hear from you. Like, what was that like? Was there a period of time where you sort of held on to the original vision? Were you like knew that it was done and it was done? 
how long did that process take for you to sort of bounce back? Well, actually, no one really asks me the details. I appreciate you for doing that because it wasn't a decision that I actually made myself. So on the back of the clothes show, which was the event where I lost all the money, I then um, realized I was in massive amounts of debt because I'd exhausted 30 day payment terms and worked with printers and all this. And so I actually spoke to uh, liquidators to find out what my options were and she said liquidate the company you know you're never going to kind of bring it back around with the amount of money you owe like it, the, the shit had hit the fan basically so this woman liquidated the company and it cost six thousand pounds to do it however at the time I said like I don't have six thousand pounds like I can't afford to pay this she was like don't worry we'll work it out we'll work it out so the company went into liquidation it got announced in you know in the press and everything like that and then um I paid off like a couple of grand and I'd said to her I can't afford to keep paying uh, at the amount that I'm paying can I pay less and she never responded um so that was that I just kind of forgot all about it I assumed well the company's gone now she's not on my back and I started House of Coco so it's about a year later and um I've been to New York and it'd been on my Twitter that I'd been to New York for the magazine and I was um back home sitting in a coffee shop and I went to go onto my online banking and it wouldn't let me log in so I rang the bank and I'm like oh hi like my banking's not working so they went oh we'll put you through to the bankruptcy team I was like pardon Pardon what? Uh, I'll call you back when I get home. I thought I'm not having this conversation in the coffee shop. And basically what happened was this woman um, who liquidated the company, because I still owed her £2,000, despite her not responding to my messages, had seen that I was traveling the world and felt like she wanted to make an example out of me. And she actually paid for me to be made bankrupt. And it was all like underhand because I never got letters about it. I never got an opportunity to sort of fight my corner. It all happened without me knowing I didn't get any letters so technically it wasn't me <laughs> it was her um, and that's how I found out so ultimately the company had been in, gone into liquidation for thousands of pounds but I really only got made bankrupt for two thousand pounds which at that point I could afford to pay that was that's crazy so I'm guessing she like had the ability to do that because of whatever permission she was granted for the liquidating and stuff yeah exactly yeah and then we, uh, we obviously, I finally even, went to court. Oh I didn't gosh, even know that like, thing. But I finally went to court and was kind of confronted with her and, and the, the court people, what do you call them? They said, she's um, tried to make an example out of you because they were pulling pictures out of me all over the world going, how have you paid for this? How have you paid for that? And I was like, it's with a PR, it's a press trip. Don't you understand? But the damage was done. So, um, And also I'm like, still she's never written you back. Sorry, I'm getting all like, I'm sorry, yeah. excuse me. What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wanted to pay you, but you didn't reply. This is ridiculous. But you know, I, I you know, it's a learning curve. You know, keep on top of your shit. You know, I never got any letters. I, I don't understand how I didn't find out about it sooner. I don't actually know what I could have done to be on, more on top of it. Um, but it's definitely made me more sort of aware of like my bank and who I'm dealing with and everything like that. That's so crazy. I'm so sorry that happened. But, you know, I, I'm not sorry. It's definitely part of the journey and part of the story. And I think you just keep things in perspective. You know, it's only money. I still have my health. Yeah, so, 100%. It's all good. And so then what happened? Where you sort of... So then I wasn't allowed to be a director of House of Coco because obviously you're bankrupt. So you can't be for 12 months while you're discharged. So I had to sign everything over to my brother and technically work for him for a year. 
Um, and then I was discharged, but it's still on my files until June next year. So once that comes off, then happy days. But it changes happy everything. Days. It changes everything. You know, you can't you can't get finance. Um, but there are other suppliers that you can work with that help people who've been made bankrupt. So actually, I then got credit cards and built my credit back up. So she kind of did me a bit of a favour. Well, I actually said that in court. I said, just to let you know, you've done me a favor. <laughs> Here's the example you set. Yeah. Thanks. I rose like a phoenix, lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, my question, my next question, or one of my many questions is around, you know, getting into publishing when that wasn't your initial thing and, and like first time versus second time. What are the things that surprised you the most? Um, how much people are willing to help and work with you? Um, you know, publishing is a sexy industry to be in, especially in, in, you know, lifestyle and travel. Everyone wants to be a part of it. So that's probably been like the, the biggest thing I've learned is a lot of people want to help along the way. And that's nice. But equally on the flip side of that is, especially at the stage where I'm at now is, do they want to help because they want to help elevate the brand or they want to help elevate themselves? So because we get such amazing opportunities, it's trying, trying to find the people that are in it for the right reasons and not just looking for a free trip. It's got to be somebody who genuinely wants to create content to inspire our readers, not just get a free holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, what do you have, a, what's the underlying mission statement of House of Coco? And I hate, I like, feel like I should know this. I should know this as the interviewer right now asking this question. But when you talk about creating content that inspires your readers, do you like, do all of your content creators have this, like a, a clear, like, this is what we want to inspire specifically? Yeah, basically it's just that they go and live their best lives authentically and that will shine through their work. So we're not, we don't sort of send people on trips and expect them to be sitting with a notepad, making notes all day, you know, go and get engrossed in the, in the experience and live it and breathe it and then write about it when you come home, um, you know, get some epic photography and videography along the way, but make sure you're actually living in the moment. I think with a lot of content creators, it is literally going, creating the content and it's sort of dead behind the eyes. Whereas we're like, go live it, breathe it and then get the content. And then that shines through in the work. 100%. How do you, what's your process for hiring content creators? Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, that sounds like the best job ever. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> this is the kind of messages that I get every single day. Um, but we, we're not taking on writers right now, but we are sort of building up a wait list of potential writers. So if you are interested, literally just email writers at houseofcoco.net with your experience and stuff like that. And then we will get in touch with you once opportunity is open. Um, but because we've had, like, I've had thousands of people join an email list over the last 12 months because I'm like, who wants to be an eye gang? Who wants to be an eye gang? Um, and we're actually launching a membership where you can come and join our gang and we will teach you everything we know about uh, how to be a travel influencer. So we're going to be teaming up with some of the biggest travel influencers around the world and some of the biggest agencies and creating some epic, epic opportunities for our members. So watch this space. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> That's the I've told. That's I an exclusive. Am... It's an exclusive. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. 
that's a big deal. What's the name of the membership? Is it just House of Coco membership? Well, we're kind of thinking, is it going to be Team Coco Gang? Or is it yeah. going to be called the Influencer Hub? I don't know. I need to work it out. Mm-hmm. I love that. But I think Team Coco Gang, probably. It's so good. Um, you talk a lot about your parents being some of your biggest supporters. And so I'm curious to just hear more about them. And you have a brother, you said. Yay. Is that your only sibling? Yeah, he's like 13 months older than me. He's like my favorite person in the world. He's just such a sweetheart. Um, yeah, no, we're all really close. Um, I literally live about two minutes down the road from each other in like a little triangle. <laughs> and I see them like a few times a week. And usually it involves a lot of alcohol and a lot of hangovers and me having to crash at the house and leave my car quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Your family sounds super fun. Yeah, my mum was just messaging me just before. She's like, oh, there's this carnival thing going on next week. Shall we go? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) The pie animal. So what's your, so is that like your favorite thing to do when you're not managing Team Coco and considering all the beautiful places in the world you want to travel and like visioning the next amazing way to, to support people and living their best life and traveling everywhere they want to go? Yeah, literally just around at my parents' house, chilling in the garden or sleeping in my old bed, <laughs> hiding from the world. You know, it's nice when you go there and you just shut the door and then nothing else matters. There's something magical about that, like at your parents' house, when you just go home and you're like, I'm going to go lay in this bed. And, and <laughs> you just feel that, that space of, I can just ignore the entire world right now. It's like this yeah. weird healing bubble. <laughs> yeah, like you know you're safe and then you're guaranteed to get a full English in the morning, even better. Yep. It's like someone's going to bring me coffee or tea in the morning. Yeah. Getting <laughs> I'm moving back home. <laughs> guys. Do you do my laundry though, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so what was um, the biggest challenge in like growing and scaling that team of writers, if anything? I think that it, that's, you know, that's quite a large team to be managing from especially remote work. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear more from you about like any challenges that you sort of faced in that process or anything that surprised you um, and any advice you have for anyone listening who is also looking to scale up and build a team. Yeah. So we, um, I literally started this company with the sole aim of living the laptop lifestyle. So every single person in the team would also live a laptop lifestyle too. We basically can work anywhere as long as there's Wi-Fi. usually involves a beach and a cocktail. Like that was the whole vision. Um, so we just make sure we stay connected. We have a private Facebook group. So we'll do, um, I do like a weekly update in there and just let people know views. And um, we usually, I've started running some competitions recently. Um, and then I'll post all the opportunities in there every single day. And everyone's like really active and really supportive of each other. Um, and then we just do really fun things so like um, two weeks ago we did a virtual murder mystery night um, which was really fun everyone had to get dressed up and find out who the murderer was and so I just think making sure you're keeping connected and keeping the fun but I think one of the main things is I've worked for myself now for 10 years and I'm used to um, just you know working remotely and kind of managing my diary but through lockdown even I was starting to feel a bit like oh my god this is intense um, and it made me think more about my writers and their mental health because um, some people are just not used to that amount of time at home so um, just making sure we, we have more wellness breaks and encourage people to like have me time and time out and focus on the self-care as well. 
Yeah, I love that. Has that, how, what are the strategies that you've done sort of in the group to support them with that? So are you having like calls with your team where you guys are chatting about that? Or are you just providing them with resources? Um, we actually have a wellness expert in the team. So Angie is like on hand to speak to anyone who needs her at any time. Um, and then, yeah, just sharing lots of resources. Um, and um, yeah, Angie kind of shares loads of tips and stuff as well. But also, you know, everybody gets to travel and go to spas and relax. So I think, I think they're all right. <laughs> I think they'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, something tells me they're all right. <laughs> so as you know, I ask every guest this question and it is the $5 million question. Insert evil dun, 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 dun. And really what I want to know is if you had $5 million, that was just, it just landed in your lap. There was no strings attached, no creepy investors, no interest you had to worry about. <laughs> it was just like, here you go right now. It's 5 million. Do whatever you want with it. What would you do with it? I think the first thing I would do is book a private jet to fly me to the Caribbean to get onto a yacht and go on a yacht holiday. These are the two things that I've got left on my bucket list. Go on a, a, a private jet and a yacht. I'd go on a yacht holiday. I'd drink the best champagne, Runa, it's my favourite. And then I'd work out what I'd do with the rest of the money, which would probably involve paying off my parents' mortgage, buying my brother a house, buying myself a house getting myself a few cars. I'd probably get like a convertible Bentley. Um, I'd also get a convertible Range Rover. I mean, am I like really shallow with this answer? Do people say give it to charity and stuff like that? <laughs> Usually a combination of like, here's how I create safety for my family. Here's a treat for myself. And like here, and a lot of people just want to put the money into their business and they have the business vision that they're dying to build. Yeah. It honestly differs wildly from person to person. I mean, you definitely don't need 5 million for the business. You can, you know, for example, I put 50,000 pounds into this membership and have a whole team of people running it and that would make the money back pretty quickly. And then, you know, just invest them um, in property and, you know, stocks and shares, make sure I was set up for the rest of my life and just chill the hell out. Like, do you know what, actually, when I think about it, if I had 5 million quid, I would just deactivate all my social media and disappear. <laughs> Do you think, do you think that was, so here's my question because I love that idea. And I think about that a lot. It's a weird thing um, in the world we live in where we're constantly connected and on social media and, and that that's connected to like brands and business, especially with online and remote work. And so I'm so curious, do you think that you would like never miss it? No, I, w I went to Canada a few years ago and it was a digital detox and we had to leave our phones. Well, you could take them with you if you wanted. There was no signal. And we went camping and, um, you know, five days without a phone and you're in nature, you're kayaking, you're sleeping under the stars. You can see the Milky Way. Not once do you miss your phone. Not once. So I think the answer is no, I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss social media. I think our brains need a break. Yeah. I, I get scared to look at my, um, the usage on my phone of how long I've been on it some days. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> I, 
I'm actually working on um, our next issue. Well, one of our print issues later this year is the staycation issue and um, all about different places to stay around the world because a staycation to me is England, but to you it's LA. We've got writers all over the world. Um, but one of the things I'm focusing on in there is about digital detoxes. So I've been getting some invitations and one of them is to this like cabin by the water where when you arrive, they lock your phone up in a little box. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'm ready. I need it. <laughs> Um, I love that. I co-sign that and we'll also <laughs> joining you in the cabin with no phones. Um, I think yeah, we need it. I think, you know, as a society, we need that. And with lockdown, people are using their phones more and more and more. And it's quite scary, really. Yeah, I think it's increasing addiction. the addiction to the phones. Yeah, it's, so I've actually Googled good. that before. Am I addicted to my phone? That's when you know you've got a problem. <laughs> Especially when you realize like something like 60 million other people have Googled it as well. What, little... did the, what did the internet tell you? <laughs> it said things like, um, you know, go, go, cold, go cold turkey. Just turn it off and put it in a drawer. You know, um, use different apps. Well, did it say that you were addicted? Uh, is, is, I, your I, personal, is your personal like Google personal self-assessment? that you are addicted to your phone or that you're not addicted to your phone i think yeah i think i was i have to make a conscious effort not, but the thing is i'm on my phone and it's work so i'd be oh, like yeah. everything i do on my laptop can do on my phone so i like might be looking at invoices and when i did look at what i'm using it for it is always work related stuff so i'm like well that's good but still mm-hmm. yeah oh my goodness what's your favorite thing about about your business and having this magazine it's the opportunity that it gives to other people. So um, one of the girls who's been a part of the team for two years, Hannah, I had dinner with her in London last week. And she said to me, Laura, you know, before I met, she's from the Philippines. She came over to England and she's an incredible writer, incredible photographer. And she said, before I met you, I was almost giving up on my journalism career because no one was giving me a chance. You know, you've got these big boys like Condé Nast Travel and people like that who, unless you're established, they're never going to let you through the door. Um, and she got in touch with me and I thought she was amazing. In fact, I met her at a press event in York. She was there for her blog. Um, and then she reached out to me afterwards and said, I, I love what you do. Can I get involved? And I sent her to Coachella for her first assignment and she smashed it. And she's been to Zanzibar and the Maldives and everything since then. But she said to me, like, Laura, before you, I literally was giving, all, giving up hope. She said, you changed my life. Um, so conversations like that kind of make it all worthwhile. Yeah, you're doing great work. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with us today and for sharing all of like everything you've been through, the experience, the growth, the ups and downs, like damn. Um, I know it's been super, super valuable for everyone listening and it's been a delight for me. So I'm oh, grateful. Thank you. Thank um, you. I'm yeah. grateful that you asked me questions that people don't normally ask as well. Usually it's just like a lot of the same thing. So thanks for digging a little bit deeper. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm here for it. That is literally my favorite thing to do. So thanks for letting me do it. And thanks for being just an awesome guest. Where, where can we find you if we want to stalk you more? What's the first thing? And, or like anyone who's, who's (laughs) really wants to be part of that membership that you secretly might've just told me about today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, basically just go to my Instagram, Laura Bartlett zero and links in bio, or just literally look up house of Coco and you'll find me and the team doing our thing. Yay. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much. Thanks. 
Hey, if you're a writer entrepreneur ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created Craft and Cashflow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. We get started September 7th, and I'm so excited. If you're curious to learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, and please don't go anywhere without subscribing. My hope is that the show becomes the therapy you didn't have to pay for and gives you all the know-how, confidence, and ahas you need to succeed on your journey. Sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Sharing that with a rating and review also helps me reach more awesome humans like you and I so appreciate it. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives like you as well and also with me, please join us in the private Creatives Making Money Facebook group at creativesmakingmoney.com group. It's totally free to join. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Do not hesitate to head over there right now and grab all the goodies. And as always, create like you mean it.